Hi, Evers and Nevers, and welcome back to SGE with SNG. I'm your host, Gail. And I'm Sam. And we are so excited to be back with a new episode about the School for Good and Evil. This week, we are focusing on the third chapter of the book, which is called The Great Mistake. Also, sorry for our sporadic posting. We were on vacation, but from now on, we will posting, we will be posting every week on Monday. So, let's get down to business. So... Let's recap what happened in the last chapter. Basically, Sophie and Agatha were kidnapped by the schoolmaster. Now they're at the school for good and evil. Sophie was dropped into evil. Agatha was placed in good. Um, they were not expecting this, to say the least. But, I mean, come on. We were expecting this. Because that's the point of the book. Well, and then what surprise. What happens? It's not a surprise. It is. Anyway, um, please continue with your um, chapter recap. Okay, well, so this chapter, this new chapter, opens with Sophie's reaction to the disgusting evil moat filled with thick black sludge. It's pretty gross. What happens next? Well, Sophie can't swim (laughs) for some reason. Well, I mean, if you can't swim, then that's not good because you never know, you might get dropped into an evil moat filled with thick black sludge, and it's always good to know how to swim so you can swim out of that, but Sophie is smart and improvises, and she flails around in search of a flotation device and finds a rotting goat carcass, which, love that. Then she realizes she is not alone in the, um, in the moat, and that a ton of other evil kids are being dropped off as well. It's even, um, we don't know his name yet, but his chest was puny and pale, without the hope of muscle. From his small head jutted a long nose, spiky teeth, and black hair that drooped over beady eyes. So basically, he's the evil version of Radley. Yeah. And he's, like, obviously super obsessed with Sophie. And he's like, can I touch your hair? Which she freaks out about because, I mean, it's a little scary. If you just meet someone and they're like, oh my god, can I touch your hair? And you're like, no. But then anyway, Sophie gets out of the moat, tries to tell people she's in the wrong place, and then a wolf kicks her in the <laughs> line. So then the children are led, more like pushed, through the gate to the school for evil, edification and propagation of sin. Wait, look up edification. Why? Okay. I don't know, like what the heck does it even mean? <laughs> I feel uncultured right now. The moral or intellectual instruction or improvement of someone. Huh. Thanks, Google. But basically, that doesn't make yes, sense. Yes, They're you improving educate, them? Yeah. You improve the, child, the students of evil by teaching them, them more about evil and making them more... less susceptible to the charms and wiles... Of good, I don't know. Question mark. I don't know. Well, anyways. um, And then on the gates, there are twin swans, just like the cover of the book. And so notice how Soman, the author, always likes to put twins, possibly foreshadowing. (laughs) Winky, winky. So So, we were curious about the significance of swans in pop culture and legend slash, slash mythology. Normally, it is seen as a sign of grace and beauty, although... Although there is surely irony in its placement at the school for evil, but swans are also connected to eternal life, which could also be another foreshadowing Easter egg. Okay, so then Sophie is noticing all the other students, and the way she described them, she has a lot about her personality, and 
kind of further emphasizes her vanity and self-absorbance. Because she says, one girl had a hideous overbite, wispy patches of hair, and one egg, one egg, one eye instead of two, right in the middle of her forehead. So, um, she's kind of saying, like, oh, all these people are ugly or different or whatever, and I'm just, like, this beautiful person who's in the wrong place. And so then she also says, they all looked about her age, but the similarities ended there. So then back to Agatha. What is she up to at school for good? Well, Sophie falls into the disgusting sludge. Agatha falls into a bright patch of red and yellow lilies who were talking to each other. In the quote in the book, they were having an animated conversation. Like, about her? Which is so funny. I love how, I love how they just have flowers talking, you Wait, know? were they talking in English? I don't I'm think confused. so. I'm confused. Were they just using, like, these... Gestures. These gestures. I, don't, I don't know. Were they, they were waving doing. their fronds? <laughs> Is that what they're called? No. Were they waving their leaves? Petals. <laughs> Petals. <laughs> Sorry. Well, then the flowers pick Agatha up and she sees a ton of other girls just her age blossoming out of the ground. Note how they're blossoming, they're very graceful and they're all beautiful. They're they all have the same Agatha, proportions. According to Agatha, they're like the exact opposite of her and very similar to Sophie, but, and she starts kind of, she feels a little uncomfortable because they're all kind of judging her simply because she looks different. Well, continuing, a group of three fairies pick up the girls and they transport them to the school for good. Agatha's team of fairies turns into a duo because the male fairy refuses to he pick her up because he thinks that there's a mistake and he's just, he's just like, no. Agatha, but then Agatha's worrying about where Sophie is and if she's okay, but Sophie didn't worry about her when she was in evil. She was just worrying about herself. Kind of shows, like, uh, it's kind of contrasting their personalities. Mm-hmm. And then Agatha's approached by the most beautiful girl she has ever seen, a stereotypical blonde and blue-eyed princess named Beatrix. So... She, Beatrice is kind of the self-elected leader of the good princesses. And then it says that Beatrix and the 60 other good girls that she's leading surround Agatha like sharks, which kind of sets the tone for the school for good and evil, and it doesn't really seem like everyone is, I don't know, good. They're kind of just ganging up on the person who's not like them. So I thought that was interesting. So then they inquire as to where her ticket to the flower ground is, and Agatha caught red-handed instead of admitting to not having one because she doesn't know what it is. She decides to create a diversion, and she basically... What does she do, Sam? She utilizes a cacophony of noxious gas. <laughs> so she attempts to jump into the lake to swim to Sophie, but then is pushed back into the foyer by, like, a huge wave. Well... Anyways, cut back to Sophie. Whereas the school for good smelled just fine until Agatha came along, the school for evil smells pungently of unwashed bodies, mildewed stone, and stinking wolf. What does wolf smell? <laughs> Probably wet dog, kind of. Then comes time for choosing dorms. There are three options. Malice, mischief, and vice. Okay, then as she's walking through the halls of evil, they're, she notices that they're covered in portraits of children and storybook illustrations of that child at graduation in the role of the villain. So Catherine of Foxwood 
became the Witch in Snow White, and Drogon of Murmuring Mountains became Bluebeard. And so there are a few more notable alumni. However, there are also those who failed, including Bane, a boy who was kidnapped just four years ago, who used to bite all the pretty girls in Gavaldon. Well, then it finally dawns on Sophie that she's standing right next to future villains and monsters, and future shrubs, too. She just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> then she sees a dwarf on a ladder putting up all the new students' photos, goes over to him, and finds and realizes that he's holding a portrait with her face on it. So, there must be no mistake. But, I mean, she's kind of still, like, holding on to this, like, no, I can't be a villain, I'm too perfect. Like, look at all these other people, they're nothing like me. So, I mean, it still shows she's kind of, she's, like, headstrong, I guess. Like, she doesn't want to, she's kind of stubborn. She's stubborn. And so then, all the kids get their schedules. Like, Agatha gets beautification and just, and then it also says she gets this, she has a uniform an appallingly short pink pinafore, sleeves poofed with coronations, worn over a white lace blouse that seems to be missing three buttons. So it kind of shows, like, that there's kind of old-fashioned and that they're... Old-fashioned stereotypes regarding, like, femininity and good and evil. Yeah. And then also when Sophie gets her schedule, the there's... books are all tied together with a live eel. And the classes, instead of beautification, are uglification, all about curses yeah, and whatnot. And then Sophie's uniform is just a baggy black sack. Well, it's not black, necessarily. It's kind of just raw. It's, it's just, just dirty. Black. It's like a dirty sack, basically. Anyway, and she doesn't... Sophie, obviously, does not feel so great about that. But cutting back to Agatha... Agatha looks around at all the two perfect princesses who are surrounding her, and she feels super... St- and they're, like, pulling on their uniforms and everything. No, like, no. they're super into it. Are they? Oh, okay, cool. And, but she feels stifled, like, by all the expectations, you know, to be super girly, super, uh, feminine. I mean, that's one thing about the School for Good and Evil. I feel like there could be better depictions of femininity and masculinity, because it's very, like, you know, black and white, blue and pink. I feel like that's not very yeah, I feel appropriate like, in this day and age. I don't know. I feel like maybe going forward, there are a bit of... A, it's not really a spoiler, but like going forward, there are some changes to this stereotype. But I mean, it still kind of feels like it goes through the whole book. Yeah, a little. But anyway, Agatha feels stifled by all the high expectations and run, runs away up the blue otter staircase into a topiary garden... Fairy's hot on her heels. They're fly. Wait, how? I think it says how big the fairies are, but the nymphs are like nine six feet tall. or nine feet. I don't know. They're huge and they're different the fairies colors. Fairies are small, yeah. But anyway, I Agatha keeps fairies? running into the topiary garden. The fairies try to capture her with their golden nets, but she evades them and crashes into a portal pond, which transports her to a stone bridge that leads across the lake to the school for evil. Then she sees Sophie running out of the fog. From the other side, from School for Evil, her arms wide open. Just as they are about to touch, they slam into an invisible barrier. Wolves appear out of the fog behind Sophie and grab her by the hair, brutally dragging her back into evil, while Sophie screams at them beseechingly. Let me go! It's all a mistake! To which the wolves respond in a gravelly growl. There are no mistakes. 
It's a cliffhanger. Wait, let's talk about there are no mistakes. So what do you think, how do you think this kind of impacts Sophie? Do you think she's still, like, thinking about this? Or do you think she still thinks she's a princess? I think it doesn't really get through to her. It kind of goes in one ear and out the other. It goes in one ear and out the other. Because she just... She's been living her whole life believing she's a princess and she was good. So, like, I doubt she'll change her mind in one, just because of one incident. And then another thing. The fairies spit the gold nets. Yeah, I know. It's kind of like... Kind of cool. How did that like work? Spider-Man vibes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. It's a really good chapter. I feel like we learned a lot. Um, what what were one of your favorite parts? What was one of your favorite parts? I like when they get their schedules and uniforms because I think it's fun to see what they do, you know? Yeah, I also really like that part, too. Well, in other news, we will be uploading a special episode, a bonus episode, sometime today, just to make up for all the weeks that we have not posted. Like I said, from now on, we will be posting every week on Mondays. And these bonus episodes will be posted once every month, or maybe more often if inspiration strikes us. And then you can also email us questions and comments at sgewithsng at gmail.com. So, yeah. So, I'm Sam. And I'm Gail. And this has been SGE with SNG. Bye!